hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Who's crazy enough to start a business with their spouse, huh? Who? <laughs> well, it turns out we're not the only ones, which isn't a surprise. Yeah. Some of the best businesses in history and today are led by someone and their spouse. We're always encouraging LGBT people to start either a full or part-time business of their own. And if you're considering doing that, you may want to think about starting it with your spouse. That's why we're excited to share with you our interview with Brett and Steven, better known as the Broadway husbands on Instagram. Although Steven did play Billy Elliot on Broadway, so maybe he's better known for that. <laughs> anyway, having your own business is awesome. Being able to do it with the one you love is even awesomer. With that, <laughs> you're listening to Queer Money episode number 301, and we're talking with Broadway husbands about all the drama, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but having a business with your spouse. And it's mostly good. <laughs> we make the Queer Money podcast for you. So please post your money questions in the Queer Money Facebook group. We may answer your questions in an upcoming episode. Now on with the off, off, off Broadway show. <laughs> You're listening to the Queer Money podcast, personal finance with a rainbow twist. Queer Money is dedicated to financial independence, financial well-being, investing knowledge, and the intersection of all things money as an LGBTQ person. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. Gainbridge sponsors the best, including the Indiana Pacers, Indiana Fever, Indiana 500, and the Queer Money Podcast. That's because Gainbridge believes that dedication is an essential component of success in every community. Visit Gainbridge.life today. Welcome, Brett and Steven, to the show. We're excited to have you. Hey, Broadway husbands. Hey, guys, before we get started, if you don't mind, would you do an introduction of yourselves? One for our listeners so they can differentiate your voices and two for those who are watching the video so they know who's who. <laughs> sure. I'm Brett Schubert and I am married to Stephen Hanna and we both met in New York City. How many years ago now? Uh, 17 years. Uh, what is year? What year is it? 21. So we met in 2006 and we got married uh, in 2011. Mm -hmm. We're both working on Broadway. And I was, when, when we met, I was in Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. And then I did Little Mermaid on Broadway. And then when the pandemic hit, I was doing Wicked on Broadway and everything shut down. And we now live in Houston, Texas, and I'm sure we'll get into all the details in between as we go. But hi, I'm Brett Shuford. <laughs> nice, <to meet> <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'm Stephen Hanna, and I'm married to Brett Shuford. I have been a ballet dancer most of my life and career, and I was a principal dancer with the New York City Ballet, and that is when I met Brett. And, you know, we fell in love, we started dating, and just coincidentally, after a year that we were together, our first year together, I got offered the job um, to be older Billy and Billy Elliot, the musical on Broadway. And so that was kind of how our Broadway husband's moment started. And um, yeah, and since then, I've been in a couple other Broadway shows. And a couple. <laughs> He's been in several. <laughs> <laughs> and together we're the Broadway husbands. And like he said, we now live in Houston, Texas after I lived in New York since I moved there in the seventh grade. So that was a while ago. It would have been like 28 years or something like that. 25 years, 20, you know, 
So I was in New York City for a long time, and now we've been in Houston, Texas for the past year and a half. And yeah, that's what's going on. <laughs> awesome. Well, like I said, we're excited to have you. And I think we're going to have a great conversation today because as our audience knows, we've been encouraging for years for more and more LGBTQ people to get into entrepreneurship in any way, shape, or form. And you guys have a, an amazing platform. Uh, your, your Instagram feed is so much fun to watch. Sometimes, especially during the pandemic, I've been somewhat jealous, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's <laughs> something I'm working out on my own. <laughs> so I think this is going to be a great conversation about the pros and cons and the, the psychoness of going Going into business with your husband and spending so much time with your spouse, I think it's mostly positive though, right, husband? Right. You know, I, I think for a lot of folks, they think about their partner and they hear the horror stories of how couples decided to build a house and then halfway through got divorced or they decided to, you know, there was some project that they took on, right? And it took their relationship in a completely different direction than that what they expected. But then also sometimes we hear the stories of couples who do start a project together and it really brings them a lot closer. So we're going to try to uncover both the things that can push you apart and things that can pull you together. <laughs> so let me start off by asking, what made you guys decide to go into business together? Obviously, you're in similar industry, in the same industry and doing similar things, but what made you decide to go into the Instagram Broadway husband's realm? Well, I think we as um, actors and performers never worked together um, for, you know, whatever reason, we just never really worked together. And I think in the beginning, the very first thing that we actually did as quote unquote, the Broadway husbands was, I think it was in 2013, Brett was really trying to up his YouTube level and he was doing four different types of videos a month overachiever and um and one of the types of videos was a video that we would do together and the first video that we ever did on his youtube channel was called five things to do on a sunday when you're unemployed is that right yeah yeah, yeah. i was like that is right right yeah so that was the first video that we did together and literally we sat in our bedroom and you know I we like, had too much coffee yeah we, we were, were just, just like <laughs> Drink more coffee. <laughs> yeah, you drink know, more like... coffee. Collect unemployment. Um, watch a movie. Go exercise. Look for a job. You know, things like that. <laughs> so that was how it started. And Brett found in his analytics, out of the four types of videos he was doing, the videos that we did together got a large response. But I honestly don't know that we really did it after that. We, like we kept often. doing this series. We... Like every month, we would do some sort of Broadway husbands and it was called Broadway husbands. Like I called oh, right. the playlist Broadway yeah. husbands and it was at some point within that year. So that was like 2016. Yeah. Later. Um, yeah. And then well, we started having guests. We did, we did, we, we would did, start yeah. to have like other couples on Broadway come be on our little YouTube channel and we would, and we would do challenges like yeah. the marshmallow challenge or like we would do little things with them. And it was, it was a fun way to sort of show, like, to me, it was just like, I saw a lot of people on social media who were, if they were a gay couple, it was kind of over-sexualized. Yes. Yes. Um, there was just like, because, you know, thirsty gets you follows, but I don't know that that's like real to me, you know, and then it wasn't relatable to me. And then, and then I also saw just a lot of heterosexual couples, you know, who were getting these huge followings just by showing their lives. And I was like, you know, where are the people who do what we do? I didn't see people who were like making money as artists really present in the social media world. And so 
I thought this is a great opportunity for us to do something together because we, we kind of lived in two different worlds, even though we were in a similar industry, but then also a chance for us to be visible for people like us who, who as kids wished we could have been on Broadway. And so how do we create visibility for that? And then, and then in 2018, we made this huge decision to, and this is something you know, this you guys another would episode. be so mad at us about. But we made this huge decision. <laughs> this is another episode. Yeah. To, to, I, I hear a money show. story coming. <laughs> yeah, we took this huge risk to move to to take a risk to move to Charleston, South Carolina, on a whim because Stephen got had a childhood friend who had offered him to come be a teacher in Charleston, and we love Charleston's beautiful. And we thought, oh, this would be a great opportunity to see what it's like. We want to have a kid and like see what it's. We weren't. We were ready to get out of. We New weren't York, employed sure. at the time, yeah. and we thought this would be a great chance to check this out. But we didn't get anything in writing. We didn't figure out like our numbers before we went. Like it was, it was a mess. But I thought it would be really interesting to document this sort of like Green Acres story of these two Manhattanite <laughs> gay men moving to the South. And so that's when the, I started the Instagram account. Was 2018. Mm -hmm. And it so we like, started yeah, documenting that process mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's just continued to grow. And then, um, and you know, and honestly, I, one of the greatest things about the Charleston experience was that it really put us more in touch with the Instagram world. We met a lot of really great Instagrammers or influencers there that really showed us how to do it you know what i mean and kind of took us under their wing a little bit and um so one of the greatest things that we got out of that experience was that's true you know it also really that, validated yeah. how necessary it was for us to continue to create because there wasn't at least in 2018 i think there's a lot more now visibility of gay couples like mm -hmm. who were who weren't over like just wearing you know their asses out and and humping each other and trying to get only fans you know right. <laughs> I I really appreciate that you that you you bring this up because John and I like to refer to this as the three P's especially gay men seem to be attracted to the three P's when it comes to social media and gay gay platforms and that is penis politics and pop culture right if your message it doesn't fall into one of the three P's over sexualization really kind of harping on the politics and the woe is us and the victimization of our community, or it isn't Lady Gaga or whoever the latest new pop princess hey. is, then, oh, sorry, we don't care. We just aren't going to pay any attention to you. We're not going to follow you. right? And I appreciate that you bring this up because you've shown that there is an audience out there of gay men who are interested in things other than that. All of those things are are great in their own right, right? We all want and, and are, are fine consuming that kinds of stuff, but it's the same thing. If if we only consume marshmallows, we knew we're probably going to end up looking like a, a Michelin fluffy. man. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's not just gay men that they're showing a different lifestyle to. It's also the general population. You know, we've been saying for years that there's more to us than just being gay, right? There's more to us than just a rainbow flag. We actually, we actually are people who have lives and do things not altogether different than what you guys do. Maybe in the bedroom, it's a little bit different, but beyond that, it's pretty much the same. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I think that was really important to me is that I want heterosexual families and parents to follow us because I don't want to just cater to gay, the gay population, because I want them to be able to watch our content in front of their kids and for their kids to go, Oh, that's what a gay couple looks like. And right. it, to normalize it because otherwise like, 
why are we doing this? Like, otherwise, right. how are we going to ever create equality and equity within the world if we're not visible and making this accessible to to as many people as possible? Now, you're not going to please everybody, but like, to me, I just I just feel like, yeah, at this point, we don't have, I mean, we have like 68,000 followers, which is awesome. We could probably have 300,000 followers if we were in a Speedo all the time, right? But that's like, to <laughs> we me- We often say that. We either need to be naked or dressed in drag, and that's just not who we are. <laughs> that's just not who we are. And also, like, that's not who I'm doing this for. Like, I think it's so important that, you know, we open a dialogue, that we get people, those suburban house families to just go, oh, okay, it's safe for me to show this to my kid, even though it's challenging, it's mm -hmm. challenging my my way of life. It's still like a, an easy and a digestible way for me to go, okay, there's gay couples and they're just like us and they have the same struggles and the same journeys. And, or even on, on the same flip side of that is to be able to say, my kid wants to make a living in the arts and, and make a mm -hmm. living in the theater and marry a man. Look, Look, there's, 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 it's yeah. 100 percent possible, and here's a and great example of that. And they can right. be happy, and healthy, and healthy, and successful, and all of the things that parents want for their kids. Yeah, yeah. I love that. If I could follow you guys again, I would, but you only get one follow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you actually get two because you get one from Debt Free Guys and, and one, one from, from the Free Money Podcast. Podcast so. we, got, we gave you two. <laughs> right. There you go. So, there you go. So. Let's talk about that. Is it all unicorns and rainbows working together as a couple, right? What What is it like working together? Give us some of this. Let's start the with good, the, the bad and the ugly. The high, right. Let's start with this <laughs> high level. I, I guess from what you share with us, you enjoy or are actually glad that you are working together as a couple. Um, well, that's yeah. a little question. <laughs> yeah, it is a little question. Um, <laughs> yes. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, of course, we enjoy uh, working together. You know, I think we as a couple always just want to be together. Um, and, you know, because we have so much fun together. And I think, you know, one of the benefits is obviously that we get to spend time together. And then this is like an added element to that. And then I think one of the negatives, right, is that this is an added element to that, that one of us doesn't always want to do or it adds another element that we, you know, one of us doesn't always want to do, right? I mean, is that... Yeah, I think it's... But it mostly it's positive. I think, you know, a high value for us and our relationship is adventure. Like, that's yeah. just always been there for us. Like, we love challenging ourselves and going on adventures and like... And I think that that's, you know, this really kind of falls in under that value and that like, okay, what if we try this and we learn from things and like... I'm definitely more of the, you know, I think that in any relationship, there's like people who wear different hats and I definitely am more of the A type person. I'm like, Hey, we're going to do this. And I'll throw, you know, I'll just like crack the whip and like, let's go, let's do this. And so I think it's really about being very cautious of like when each other, the boundaries can get a little muddy and especially like the way this has grown for us was this evolution. It wasn't like we were like, yeah. we're going to start a business and do this. It was like, yeah. it's been an evolution over time. So you just kind of figure it out as you go. The big pluses are that it helps us, A, be together and be creative, which is what both of us do really well. Like we've both been in the arts for so long that we can use our strengths and we can use our strengths together. And that's really cool. We've met some amazing people and we get to do some amazing adventures. And so that's really cool. But the challenges are, I guess, 
you got to be consistent. Like that's the biggest challenge. And, and you hear that from anyone in social media, marketing, digital marketing, and it's like consistency is key. And that's hard when there's two people involved. And then there's two people involved who have multiple jobs, right? So it's not like this is our only thing we do. Mm -hmm. Like Steven's teaching and he's teaching at multiple places. And then I'm coaching online or we're both auditioning constantly. So it's really about figuring out scheduling really i mean sometimes scheduling yeah you know and then there's mental health and you know attached to that where he's like okay i'm not gonna push even though i'm ready to go if steven's not ready to go i don't want to push him because that's not healthy and that's not going to help him or vice versa so it's just about really figuring out those boundaries communication or Um, yeah i mean communication is obviously a big thing and and just as far as like create like creating something goes right it's always interesting (laughs) (laughs) that's when we get the most when when we're about to do something that we know we have to do and one of us has an idea but then and which is a good thing right because a lot of times some of our some of the tension could come from neither one of us having a clear idea right so when there is a clear idea and then maybe if I have the clear idea and I want it to go a certain way and then Brett just doesn't want it to go that way. And I'm like, but this is what we're doing. Like I've already figured it out or he's already figured it out. And so there's always this kind of, that's collaboration though. That's yeah. just right. like, I was yeah. going to say that, yeah. that totally. never happens to us. We're always on the same page. BS, BS, BS. Right. Yeah. And no. it, 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 I think that is what, what's really important. A lo- couple of things I love that you shared that the reason you're doing this is because you love to be with each other and you love to spend time with each other, right? And I think that it's important for couples who enjoy each other's company, who love being around each other, to share that with others. Because sadly, we see a lot of couples, both hetero and non, they don't really enjoy each other's company that much, right? <laughs> I mean, how many marriages have stayed together because of the kids, right? And so I think when we have when we have examples of individuals who are staying together because they truly love each other's company, that's really good. Are you saying that you like me? Oh, I kind of like you. I mean, <laughs> a- after 18 years. <laughs> yeah. I think that the other thing is you're showing that it's no matter whether you're working with your partner, the person you love, the person you spend all your time with, or you're working with anyone else, there's always going to be that same kind of work dynamic, right? There's this shit needs to get done and somebody's got to do it. And we've got to figure out who's going to do it and how we're going to do it without chopping each other's heads off. (laughs) So I'm curious, what have you, in your experience specifically as Broadway husbands and working together, what is the biggest learning that you have each have about each other? Like, what do you, Brett, what do you, have you learned about Steven? Steven, what have you learned about Brett? I mean, for me, I think I've learned about Steven that he's so playful. And if I don't create an environment where he gets to just play, if it (laughs) feels like work, (laughs) right? If it feels like work, then he's going to kind of resent it a little bit. So I have to be very aware of how I frame things and how I, lead. I think sometimes I say to, I created a mantra for myself that I, I don't know anything about what he's talking he about. He doesn't. Right? I created a mantra for <laughs> really myself. I'm excited to hear this. Mantra. This is through, through working with my therapist. Uh-huh. <laughs> I created a mantra for myself that says, it's okay for me to be the captain. 
it's okay to be the captain because I used to always feel like we needed to be co-captains. Mm-hmm. And so if I felt like Steven wasn't ever, I was waiting for Steven to want to co-lead with me because I would feel like if I took the leadership position in, in some of these situations that I would feel like he wasn't an equal or that he would feel like I was being a parent or, and I don't want to be, so that's really been a big conversation over the years is like, how do I, which hat am I wearing? Am I a business coach right now? Am I his content creator right now? Am I his husband right now? Am I his best friend right now? Am I his, like, which hat am I wearing? Right. And so I think that when it comes to like our content creation, I say to myself, it's okay to be the captain. That's like my little mantra in my head so that I don't feel like I have, I'm waiting for him to feel ready. I can just go, Hey, here's what we're going to do. And we're, you know, try to create a sandbox for him because he does really well when he's got boundaries and he knows where the sand is and he can just play. Nice. I love that. Wow. Yeah. I, that Sorry. makes me feel really almost inadequate right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> What's I, your um... profound response? <laughs> Capital One strives to inspire a better financial path for everyone, including the LGBTQ plus community through access to credit, tools to manage debt and product features. Digital products such as CreditWise and Eno are designed to take the stress out of money by helping you manage credit, a key source of potential stress, and stay on top of spending without worrying all the time. Sign up for CreditWise for free today. Heard a rumor about annuities? Cut out the noise by visiting Queer Money podcast sponsor Gainbridge at gainbridge.life to learn more. It's interesting because I find that I have to, that I've learned about Brett is that he needs to hear a feedback. He needs feedback no matter what. Like whatever I'm thinking is like my thoughts are valuable, um, no matter what they are in the situation. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I always find that I want to give him as many ideas as possible because he's always one of his like instant critiques, not critiques, but like something that he says to me is like, any idea would be nice. Something. Do you have anything? Like, you know, and I'm just like, so I think over the years I've learned. Bueller, Bueller. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And not, and, you know, and, and this is like something that's been going on for years. And I just, it's taken me a long time to, you know, know that no matter what idea it is, is that just to like shout it out and maybe try it. But then I've also learned, I've also learned with Brett that when we're collaborating, the issue is then sometimes I have a strong idea, right? And he's already made up his mind. And so there's no room for negotiation. <laughs> so although like I've learned to kind of speak my voice a lot of times, I, I also know kind of when he's already figured it out. And I'm just like, okay, if that's what you want to do, like just to, to kind of give a little bit more, but always not expect and like in any collaboration, know that your way isn't necessarily going to happen. You know, we did say Compromise. good, bad, and Compromise. Ugly, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And also, it's not that deep, right? I mean, this is the other thing too: is like creating content and creating things. It shouldn't be that deep, right? Because if you don't do this idea this time, you can do it in another moment on something. I mean, you know what I mean? There's it's it's infinite, right? There's always a chance to tomorrow is another that. day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so many versions of everything you can do. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. 
Nice. I'm lost. I was going somewhere with all this. So if it weren't for the experience as Broadway husbands and, and what you've learned about each other, do you think you would have gotten as close as you guys seem to be right now? That's a good question. Well, I mean, I think that we've always been really close and I think that we've always really loved each other and loved spending time together. Um, so I think it was obviously like a natural progression, but it definitely, <laughs> maybe we wouldn't be because we've been in situations where we've had to kind of work well together under circumstances where maybe where people have been watching or like where people have been watching really. I mean, and so that maybe we've behaved better than maybe <laughs> we wouldn't, <laughs> you know, we wouldn't have if, if we weren't making something where people were watching, you know what I mean? Honestly, yeah. I mean, yeah. and whether that's, I don't know. So I think it's kind of, you know. The, the biggest thing too is that having Broadway husbands has helped us be more independent of employment mm -hmm. in that like, well, when we met, it was like, I had to work on Broadway. He had to work at City Ballet. He had to be on Broadway. You know, like that was our main source of income. And so we didn't have a lot of choices. And we were cogs in the wheel of these big, huge producing organizations. And now we get to work for ourselves. Like now we, like that, that to me has like been the biggest thing, benefit to our relationship is that we have a lot more freedom and it's going to get hopefully like I have optimism that it's going to get even more freeing as we continue to grow. But I love that we get to use our strengths as artists and we no longer are making money for the man. Yeah. We're now making money for ourselves. And I, I just want to see that continue to grow. And I, yeah, I mean, just to like continue with that idea, it's like for at, at a certain point, I don't know that, you know, we were doing it because we liked to produce it, the, the content and, you know, do all of the things that we were doing, but we didn't always see a return from it. And now it's, it's really exciting and fun when we do kind of push through certain things and we, there's a return, right? And it's like, oh, wow, we actually worked hard and made this happen and we're getting something back from it. Cause that wasn't, that's not always the truth. You know, you're not always maybe making money or, you know, receiving something from it. So it's actually been, it's super rewarding because we bond, we have this, a huge bonding experience. Sometimes it goes very smoothly and <laughs> lovingly and other times it goes, you know, like. there's always, It always pays off. Yeah. Regardless <laughs> of how it goes. I, I think it's great that you bring this point up though, because I think a lot of folks are like, okay, I'll get on Instagram, I'll start my account and then the money's just going to start rolling in. Right. Or I'm going to get on TikTok and I'm going to blow up. And, and granted, there are some people that that happens to, right? You, there are some yeah. people, they produce five videos on TikTok and all of a sudden they have 30 million followers and the brands reach out to them. Right. But for the, for the everyday Instagrammer, <laughs> right? For the vast majority of folks, there's going to be some work that you have to do. It's just like learning a skill. Right, you have to learn the mm -hmm. skill before you can make money from that skill. And you, you know, if you're a computer programmer, you have to learn how to do the be a computer programmer before you can go and start charging for your services. Well, the same thing goes with everything, e even Instagram, social media, whatever the case may be. Every business. Yep. And I think that that's a really good cautionary 
point for those of you who are listening who are thinking about going into business, either for yourself or with your partner, remember that there's this time period where you may be producing, but you're not earning any money. You may be producing, you're not getting any likes. You may be producing and people are trolling you. And that can all be really, really tough. But then eventually you will be producing and you will get the accolades. You will be producing and you will get the income. And make sure that you have that merge ramp, right? To get on the highway. Well, it's like any business, right? You got to, you got to invest, even if, if, if you either invest money or you invest time, right? There's two things that, you know, one, you can always make more money. You can't make more time, but it's like you invest that training and that time, you're not going to get good at it if you don't just like get going and just get, just start making it. And one big challenge I think too, is like, I definitely could see what this could become and trying to get Steven on board for that at the beginning, at least he's definitely on board now. He's very like, you know, and this is like love languages, right? It's like everyone has their own love language. He's very like kinesthetic. It's like, if he doesn't physically feel like, have proof. Like once you started making money, he was like, Oh, okay. I can continue to do this. <laughs> right. Um, you know, well, well, you know, to be, you know, to be clear, you know, like what you were just saying is like, you know, we've put a lot of time and energy into certain things. And right. after a while, you're just like, well, why What's are, this for? what is this for? Because but it's I have only to 30 actually do these things. Real. How long does it take to create that? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it's exactly. only 60 seconds. Well, there were, you guys you were probably smarter, in like five minutes, right? They were probably smarter than we were. When we first started to do video, we were like, why is it taking all fucking day to record a 15 second video? I don't get this. <laughs> At least you came from theater and you probably got that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, at the, at the beginning or uh, not the beginning, but like, like a, close to the beginning of the pandemic, we were making a lot of dance videos together and those are tough because your, your heart, <laughs> your heart rate's going up because you're being, you're dancing. And then you're just like with your husband and you're just like ah. trying to remember. <laughs> no, like my, my favorite, my, so my favorite like example of this is we made this video that I, it was, I think it was my idea because I wanted to recreate this Paul Abdul cold hearted snake, oh gosh. like dance break. <laughs> and it was a, it was really a hard, like four counts of eight. <laughs> and we like, I think it was cold outside but we were like trying to make it look like it wasn't cold outside. We were doing it on grass. Yeah, it was hard. So like the whole like filming. And where can we find this video? I want to see it. It's on TikTok. It's on TikTok. <laughs> but so listen, so it was like the huge, very challenging filming hours of first we had to learn it, then we had to film it. And it was a whole thing filming it. And then I was like, yes, we got it. This is going to be amazing. And then, and then he started editing it. And it took a long time to edit it because we had to go back and forth from different takes. Anyway, and then the topper of it was, I don't know why I'm telling the story, but then the topper of it was that <laughs> the music that went to the dance sequence was like copyright. You know, you couldn't use uh, it. They yeah. wouldn't let us use it. That's right. <laughs> so then we had to use some random Paul Abdul something. Me off. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it didn't do as well as we had hoped. You know, let's just but say it, that. But our dancing was good. It was, yeah. but it was a challenge. Was I'm, a challenge. I don't know why I, we I, went on that. So I have to share this. John and I this year fell deep for Cold Heart, the Elton John Dua Lipa song. We still and have we love that video. <laughs> and every time we watch that video, we're like, 
we could totally do those dance moves. They're slow enough for us. And then I start to think about the whole process of us learning the dance moves and then me trying to edit the video. And all of a sudden I'm like, that's not, that's not something it would be fun to do, but it would take a long time. So I'm glad you shared your experience as well. But I think it's great to like, to just share that because I think a lot of us, especially those people, I think who aren't, creating content they go on instagram they go on tiktok and everything just seems like it just happens fluidly and easily and there's actually for some creators are, are putting a lot of time and effort into creating the content that they create but i kind of want to go back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier when did you start the youtube channel again so in like 2015 i was working on broadway in a musical called paramore it was sort of soleil show and I was like, you know what? I'm going to commit to making a YouTube video every week for an entire year. So I started it then on my own channel. So on Brett Schufert on my YouTube. And then Broadway Cosmos was doing so well that we that I broke it off and created a separate channel in like 2017. Something like that, yeah. And then 2018, we started the Instagram account. Got you. And then how many years was it or months, whatever? How long did it take you to start generating any revenue? I would say our first like real pay from Broadway Husbands probably came in. We incorporated in 2019. We became an S Corp. So then we started doing all of our all of our income generating from anything entertainment wise. So acting, performing, teaching, if we were teaching performing arts things would all go through the corporation. So that was 2019. We started making money through that. But then content creation wise, we really didn't start making money until 2020. I don't know. I mean, it probably took two years to start actually making money from the, but yeah, but I, I would, it's hard to say though, because that would be brand money, but because of the awareness of our brand of Broadway husbands, we Mm -hmm. were making more money teaching and doing other Uh things as well. So we really created multiple streams between teaching, coaching, and then now we do sponsorships and brand deals and content creation with their companies. So, I mean, I also, I I think in 2019, this, I I honestly can't remember the first time we got like paid money. Like, I I don't remember. That's not like a memory, (laughs) but I remember the first time we did like a real collaboration with some restaurants in Charleston so like that's kind of like where my brain goes because that felt really legit like where we went and had to do so many story posts and all of those um, yeah anyone who's, who's interested in doing this for us it all started with gifting yeah like getting free meals free hotel stays mm-hmm. people sending us free stuff that are you to know make like content about to make content about mm-hmm. which was like great we don't have to buy mm-hmm. underwear this year we don't need to buy sheets yeah. we got a whole year's worth right. of underwear <laughs> <laughs> seriously this one company has sent us so much underwear we haven't had to buy underwear for like yeah almost two, right. for years. some gay men that is that that's the ticket right yeah, let's they, talk that's offline yeah, I'm not even, that's why i'm telling you tommy John, and go to the link in our bio yeah yeah <laughs> but actually like i mean physical money somehow came in there at some point like after that but those are the things i remember i remember going to that restaurant five church five church church in Charleston and just being like, wow, we're really doing this because they knew who we were and we got to eat like everything on the menu and we were like creating content the whole time and it was really fun and we were being just like, you know, the kicker in Charleston was we got invited to this party with all these influencers on a yacht. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like some of the cast from Southern Charm on Bravo, Bravo, Bravo? um, which was like, you know, reality show on Bravo. 
Yeah, we don't watch. We didn't know TV, they were, but, but we were like, "Ooh, Southern like, Charm!" How did like, we end up here? Like, like, yeah, oh, what are we doing here? You know, that was cool. <laughs> That's awesome. So the reason I asked that question is it, when we first started blogging many moons ago, the people that we were in the space with stick with it for at least two years. It's going to take you about two years until you start feel like you're really see, uh, getting traction, especially any kind of revenue. So I think it's pretty interesting that, that that sort of correlates to your experience on a completely different platform, creating completely different kinds of content. It seems like it takes about two years. So those of you who are listening or watching this on YouTube and are thinking about getting into the content creation space as a way to diversify your income streams, think about you're probably putting in about a two years worth time frame of investment. Some people, like David said, it'll go a lot quicker. Some people, unfortunately, it'll take a lot longer, but you're always going to fail if you stop, right? So stick with it, but at least give yourselves two years before you start questioning whether you're going down the right path. In working with clients and content creators as a coach, I've learned that it can go as quick or as slow as you want it to, because it's really about how much output you're willing to put in, in out there. Because it's the people who stop because they start looking at numbers or they start looking at growth or they start comparing. Those are the people that take longer. So just don't get caught up in the compare and despair game. Just keep mm -hmm. creating right. and don't even like look at the numbers until you've done enough output to get numbers back. And I think some people would be like, I made a post, it only got three likes, so I guess I and should wait. And then they'd it. stop yeah. look, they stop making. I'm like, no, you can't do that. You, you gotta at least post every day for 90 days, mm -hmm. and then you have data to like look at and see what, what works and what doesn't work. Right, exactly. And then consider being trolled a badge of honor, because unless you're making somebody yeah. mad on Facebook or social media, I should say, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> you got to be pissing somebody off. <laughs> right. So I'm, right. I'm curious, how does Broadway Husbands LLC and on all the different income streams you have with it, how do you foresee that supporting you or preparing you for retirement? Oh, that's a great question. That's a great question. Yeah. Well, we have, you know, we're expecting our uh, child, our first child in April. Mm -hmm. And so the money probably helps we, the child. <laughs> yeah. So we're, you know, we're really looking at this as a way to continue to, you know, we want to create parenting content and, and continue to create awareness around that and like how to, how same sex parenting operates and, and as we're learning about it because we don't really have a lot of experience so we want to share that and educate people on that i want to eliminate a lot of the the questions for future parents that we get which is like whose sperm is it or like those things that people like who who just don't understand like yeah. but i think like more to your question about retirement i think that our hope is that it becomes the majority of our income stream right in the short term, and especially having a kid, it allows us to not have to leave, not leave the house, but just leave for jobs that sometimes we don't want to do and that we need to do. And so then, you know, and just kind of make it everything, the main income stream so that we can retire, but also continue to do it, right? Because it's at this point, I would like to say that it's, it's an easy fit in our life all the time. It's not. It's definitely work and an adjustment in all things we do, but it is definitely becoming uh, more a part of what we do in our daily lives more seamlessly um, than it was maybe a year ago, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think re retirement-wise, I think that right now it's just about creating more time freedom for yeah. us. 
so that we can be with our kid mm -hmm. so that we can maybe travel and and continue that adventure value in our lives but then also have artistic freedom to if steven wants to be in a film or do a show or vice versa if i want to do work on a project or direct or choreograph or something like that we have you enough stability it. to be able to do that mm -hmm. and this business the probably husband's business with the multiple income streams is is where i feel setting us up to be able to have that kind of freedom right yeah. so as our listeners, you'll probably know and remember, we've talked a lot about this idea of financial independence, retire early. I'm going to forget the episode. I want to say it's 291, but it could be wrong. We had an episode about the different types of retirement or this fire. And one of the ones that's, uh, that we talk about a lot is uh, financial independence, retire entrepreneur. And the idea there is that you're quitting the you're giving up the nine to five or you're giving up the reliance on someone else to dictate when you work, what you do for work, where you work, all of those kind of boundaries. I don't know if boundaries, but maybe even being boxed in by that is something that a lot of people today, especially I think because of the pandemic, want to free themselves of. And it sounds like this is what is starting to happen with you is you're starting to see the kinds of freedoms that can come from earning your own money versus earning somebody else's money and you get a cut of it, right? That's, I think yeah. that's kind of the way jobs really are is you're really earning somebody else's money and they're just giving you a little bit of it. Now you have much more control over it for yourselves. And I think that is the why John and I really truly want to encourage more queer folks to get out there and think about what kinds of jobs that they can do or what kind of work they can do either part-time or full-time that provides them those kinds of freedoms like we said it's a time investment and that time you know in the meantime you're probably going to be working a nine to five job like steven is still working at a ballet school full-time so on top of that full-time job he's then coming home and i'm like we're shooting three videos and like you know so it's and it i always show up ready to go so i don't know <laughs> what you're <laughs> so just know it's like it's an investment of time and energy to get there right yeah and yeah to be clear yeah. it is it is yeah, hard i mean work. yeah yeah, it is. And, and and what you just said, it reminds me of the quote that we love from from Lisa Nichols, who's when she was going through her process, she always looked at her employer as the investor in her dreams, right? So you're nine to five, or even you're part time, right? If you're working part time and focusing on content creation or some other job yourself, that's investing in your dream. Look at it that way. It's an investment in your dream. You're spending that time to invest in what you ultimately truly want to do and become. But in and hindsight, then, yeah. would you say that the time investment, the struggles, the early mornings and the late nights recording vi three videos was worth it? Is worth it? Yes, I think it's completely worth it. I think that's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, having this conversation, you know, I mean, I always think that we always feel like we could do more. But I think um, having this conversation this morning and it is just kind of ignited that spark a little bit and have it, you know, it's definitely going to make us create or at least start, you know, doing more today. So thank you. Well, I'll send you our invoice after this call. <laughs> but you actually bring up a great, a great point. How do you set boundaries? Because David and I know 
we could literally wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning and work until 9 p.m. at night with all the stuff that we, because there's always stuff to do. I have like 25 things in my Asana task that I've been moving forward every single day for the last few months. You know, so how do you how do you guys set boundaries, and how are you going to set boundaries when you have a baby to take care of? Oh yeah, mm. boundaries, the ever-ending like you know, there's always boundaries to be set, and I think that for us, it's about communication. You know, I literally have to sometimes just go, hey, you know, on Sunday, hey, these are the five things that I know we need to do this week. Yeah. When can you yeah. do them? As opposed to being like, it's Monday morning. Oh my God, we need to do all these things. You know, so just, just trying to like preface. Are you guys watching? John is looking us? at me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you said we didn't have any more cameras in our house. <laughs> you know, I think it's about prefacing always. It's like, hey, I want to make sure you know, like these are the things. Because when you're caught up in the heat and the time and also, like when someone's like Stephen has to commute to work sometimes, it's like that's just not a great. But I'm going to say that, you know, it's also interesting. I don't know if you find this, too, is like we both have a clear understanding of like if we have like three pieces of content we need to make that we have like contracts for that have deliverables and a value attached to them. We both are typically clear on what these things are. And then sometimes we are both procrastinating so much that we won't we won't talk about it and we'll pretend like we don't know that that's actually supposed to happen and we'll go through the day and then we won't like the next day we'll come and be like i guess we should do it today right you know what i mean like we won't you know like so there's actually like this together procrastination that can happen also yes. it's not even one or the other it's kind of we both are allowing the other to like yeah okay well so that's one side of it. And I think I think the only real rule that we've ever really kind of stuck to, and it's not even a, a rule necessarily, is that once it's like 9 p.m., we're both like, all right, you're done. Like whatever it is turn you're your phone doing, off, like, turn your computer enough. off. Like, you know, like <laughs> it's not gonna it's not gonna get done today. Like, so just stop. That's really the only I think that's the thing, thing to understand yeah. wholeheartedly. And I'm you know, it, and most people just don't expect this, is that like it's never going to feel like enough. You're never going to feel like you're doing enough. You're never going to feel like you're making enough. You're never going to feel yeah. like you have enough brand deals, enough partnerships or enough ideas. Mm -hmm. It's never going to feel like enough. So if it's never going to feel like enough, just turn it off. It's yeah. okay to just like <laughs> be done. take a break and just know like you're always going to feel that way. And that should give you comfort and not stress. I think that that never feeling like it's enough can really be exacerbated when you do the comparison game, right? Oh, that person has this many followers, or they got this many likes, or they got this brand partnership, and we didn't. So we have to do more. We have to do this. We have to do that. And then all of a sudden, you are piling a bunch of things on yourself that really don't align with your business. They align with what that other person's business, right? And so mm -hmm. we have to be... Yeah. You, you brought up the whole idea of not doing any numbers until you've produced something every single day for 90 days. And I think it's really important. Uh, I see this meme go around a lot that the only person that I'm trying to be better than is the person I was yesterday. We need to think about the, our businesses that way too. The only thing that I don't want my business to be better than is them, what it was yesterday or what it was last week or last year or last month. Comparing is just going to ruin, it, it just takes all of the joy out of everything. But yet it's so easy to do. And I think oh, that yeah. we can all, it, we can all like fall into that trap 
because it's another way of self-sabotage and like procrastination. Yeah. It's like, and people say, well, I'm a perfectionist. It's like, no, the, perfectionism, if you were a perfectionist, you would just be trying, you would just be doing it. Like you would just be going for it. Like you're actually just self-sabotaging because you're procrastinating because you're looking at what other people are doing and thinking, oh, I can never do it as good as them or getting that high-end luxury brand deal. But like maybe your target you know, and not William Sonoma, right? It's like, that's okay. <laughs> like, I love Target. I, I can't go into Target without spending a hundred dollars. So yeah. They're doing I love something, right? Target. <laughs> Target listeners. <laughs> We're looking for a sponsorship, Target. <laughs> Same. Hey, Target. <laughs> so I guess, how do you, how do you protect yourself from the comparison game? Because you are on Instagram and Instagram for many people is just to show the best version of themselves. And so it can get easy to get caught up in, in everybody else's perfect, quote unquote, perfect life. How, how do you guys protect yourselves from that comparison? Well, I think we probably both have different answers, but I, for me, my tendency is to just, I think this isn't, you know, something we haven't even really even talked about is just learning and we got sober. We both, that's kind of how we met was in AA and, and getting sober. And I think that the lessons I learned in sobriety is like when you put a name or even Brené Brown, you put a name to the shame, it dissipates the shame. Mm -hmm. And so I tend to always just, if I'm feeling comparison and despair or, you know, or, or anything, I'll make a post about it. Like, I will actually say, like, I feel like shit. I will just make a public annunciation around my feelings because that to me is what you don't see people do on mm -hmm. social media. Yeah. And to me, it's like, I'm just going to state this because A, it'll dissipate it. But I also know that other people are probably, if I'm feeling this way, other people are feeling that way too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I think that it's so hard. I mean, I feel like I've compared and despaired my whole life before social media. Life of a ballet dancer too. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I grew up staring at other people wanting this, that, and the other thing of their body or the way they did something. And yeah, so I mean, I feel like I've had a long relationship with this. And I think before social media, it was kind of like, I used to tell myself, and it can you know be true for social media as well, is that everyone's journey is different. Everyone is on a different point in their journey. Everyone gets to the same place in a different time and manner. So I think it can be true on social media as well. And I think, you know, one thing that's super helpful, right, is that if there's something that's like creating toxicity in your brain or mind or negative thoughts, and it's something that you're following on social media, I think it's easy to just unfollow, right? Like, mm -hmm. because if you're seeing that content and for whatever reason, whatever it is, and it's causing harm in your head, then just unfollow and don't look at it because there's just no point in you repeating that behavior. So, yeah. I think that's a really important thing to remember. And I don't think people share, talk about that enough, right? The unfollow button can be your mental health best friend. <laughs> right? We hear all of yeah. this information out there about how social media can be so damaging to us, but we all have the choice to say, you know what? I love that these guys have amazing looking bodies, but it makes me feel bad about myself every time I scroll through this feed. Unfollow. I love the fact that these yeah. people are having amazing success in their career, but it makes me feel inadequate about what I'm doing. Unfollow. Follow the people that actually inspire and encourage you and build you up 
and make you want to be a better person and have fun, right? And give you a smile, make you laugh. That's one of the reasons why we love your feed is because you always are you're always making people laugh and smile and enjoy life and think about that there's a lot of there's a lot of fun. Life is beautiful if we choose to look at it through the glasses that say life is beautiful. We can choose to look at it through the glasses that say life is shit. And you know, we have that choice. And I think the unfollow button, I'm going to turn this into a soapbox now, I think. <laughs> I think you have. <laughs> I, I preach Thank that you. all the time. I say, let's, the people, you get to curate your feed. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if the people you follow, like we were talking about earlier, you can give them, you're giving them the one thing that you can't get back and that's your time and your attention. Right. Yeah. So like, you get to make that choice. And if somebody doesn't make you feel good, like just unfollow. You can always follow them back later, yeah. like if you want, and when when you're in a better headspace or whatever. But like I do it all the time. I unfollow. Like the minute I feel something, I'm like, ugh, unfollow. Just yeah. because I don't. And then maybe eventually, if two years down the line, I'm like, oh, I can follow them back now. I'm in a better place or mm -hmm. whatever. I will. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great, important topic to cover because I think especially if you want to become a content creator on social media on the internet somewhere, you're gonna kind of you're going to get sucked into the comparison game and then that can really just damage you mentally and, and it can make you stop your business altogether. So you need to have those, those guide rails. Yeah. So as, as we're wrapping things up, you touched on this a little bit earlier. What is your ultimate goal with Broadway Husbands? What are you hoping that w when it's finally time to sell it or to retire it, what are you hoping that when you look back that you've achieved? Millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> and I was going to say, um, I thought you were going to do that. <laughs> One million, <laughs> billions of dollars. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that it's hopefully it's going to be something that we feel proud of. It's mm -hmm. going to be something that we have made a difference in the community. And more than anything, I think it's going to be the thing that allows our family to grow and prosper and be independent of. I think I would really like to see it make a difference in the culture of our country, because I think that the stigma, not just around LGBTQ families, but the stigma around the arts. And, yeah. and to me, the biggest impact we could ever make is to make going to the theater or going to the ballet or going to the arts just as trendy as the Kardashians. Like, this gross consumer culture that has taken over social media, I would like to see it. I would like to see that we've made an impact and that like, it's just as cool to take a photo in front of Monet as it is in front of like a flowery wall at like a festival. You know what I mean? At Epcot? <laughs> at Epcot, you said? At Epcot. <laughs> I don't know. That's, I mean, is that, I mean, is that crazy to no, say I all think, of that? I, I, know, I, know. I think that's where my head wonderful. goes. Right. Yeah, I think I that you it. said it all. I think you and said it all. And I think that that's true. I think it would be great if, right? Because I mean, social media can be like a tool right because you are kind of spoon feeding or telling whoever is watching it what is real or what's happening right so if if you if if you become you know if we make it something where you know going to the ballet or making going to the theater is like just as trendy as kim kardashian's makeup you know, line there's this as her kk 
KKW Contour. KKW Contour. There's like this reels we made where it's like, <laughs> she, you know, like the Vogue, they ask these questions and they're they like, ask Selena Gomez. They're like, one thing you can't live without. And, and she's, she's like, like, my, my family. family. And then they ask Kim Kardashian. She's like, my, my KKW <laughs> Contour. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's like, to me, like, how it. do we make, no, and she has millions and millions of millions of followers. And it's right. like, what if we can actually make the theater or the arts or music or paintings or museums like just as just trendy as, as trendy and dirty feeling as kk <laughs> what is it i always forget what it's called kk kkw contour and i love that real so much um yeah i mean yeah i i think you said it all really and billions of dollars and billions of well, dollars. I, I hope i do hope you achieve all that i hope you achieve your millions and billions of dollars because there is no shame in earning wealth yeah we, more queer people need to be rich as fuck Yes, more people. Amen. Rich as fuck. Because <laughs> that allows us to have a little bit more control of over what happens in this world. Yeah, more I agree. Power. I mean, look at these. Look at these guys going to space, right? <laughs> Who are all these straight macho? Like, it's like, what if there was like a trans, you know, fabulous femme with just like a, a wig, just like flying through, uh, you know, <laughs> as she's flying Mar- down. Martine Rothblatt. I don't know if you're familiar with Mar- Martine Rothblatt, mm-hmm. but that's that's she's the person I think that is out there in the yeah. forefront with she trans and on technology. Tired of build her own spaceship. Yeah, she, although <laughs> she's doing and, artificial and yet, intelligence. And where is she? Like in all of this, like it's right. just like you know, it, it, it's got to change. It's got to change. Yeah, it is. Well, it's changing. I think you guys are doing that every little bit every day, and that's making everything a little bit better. So we appreciate you. Thank you. Where can our listeners and watchers catch up and track you everywhere? We're on all the platforms, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. We have a blog. You can subscribe to our email list at broadwayhusbands.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming and joining with us today. I think it's hopefully inspired more LGBTQ people to think about getting into some form of entrepreneurship in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't have to be social media and content creation, but it can be fun and you can actually do it with your spouse and still love them at the end of the day. (laughs) And And maybe even a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thank you, Brett and Stephen, for giving us, our listeners, and our viewers insight into what it's like having your own business with your partner. Hopefully, between what you're doing, what we're doing, and more LGBTQ couples are doing, even more queer couples will get into blazing their own yellow brick road into entrepreneurship. And to you, our listeners, thank you again for listening. Here's your queer money takeaway from this episode. Whether you've been with your partner for six months or 16 years, Start the money conversation with your partner and focus on your hopes and dreams. And if either of you wants to start a business of your own, consider going into business together. It may make it easier and it may make it even more enjoyable too. Then join us next week when we take a deeper dive into annuity investing as part of our ongoing investing series. And we'll talk about how annuities can be a guaranteed way to grow your money. Finally, and again, we make the Queer Money podcast for you. So please post your money questions in the Queer Money Facebook group. We may answer your question in an upcoming episode. Thank you. And we'll talk with you next week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.